Hello, folks. Welcome back. It's so good to be with you again. My name is Nolan Ruby, and I am the pastor of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and this is the On Being Christian podcast. The On Being Christian podcast is a ministry of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church. I'll be your host. I'm so thankful to be able to spend some time with you. And uh, as we get ready to go into the Memorial Day weekend here, I'd like to share a couple thoughts with you. I uh, hope you're having a wonderful time. I hope you get to spend a little bit of time with some family and uh, maybe have a day off of work and just focus in on what's most important, time spent with those you love. I'd like to share an idea from the Bible with you today concerning the idea, concerning the concept of being used. Now, there are verses in the Bible that tend to be more well-known than quite a bit of the rest, and one of those verses is found in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, uh, specifically with respect to different types of things uh, concerning veterans and the ability or the desire to be used uh, to protect people or to serve. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Now I love that verse, and most of you have heard that verse very often. Uh, but there, that verse is often just taken as a standalone, but there's a context that surrounds that verse that I'd like to share with you, and we'll talk about what it actually takes to be used, what it actually looks like to be a person that the Lord can say, all right, I'll send you. So instead of just focusing on verse 8, I'd like to read the context of where we're going to be for this podcast, which is chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, down through the end of the chapter, which is verse 13. Verse 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly destroyed. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Now I want you to understand before we get too far into this, Whenever you're reading through the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is a wonderful book. It's sometimes referred to as the mini Bible. It has as many chapters as the Bible has books, and uh, it proclaims Jesus Christ prophetically throughout the entire book. In fact, the book of Isaiah is quoted more by Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry uh, almost more than any other book. 
concerning the things that he quoted from the Old Testament. And so there's three things that I want you to understand when you're dealing with the book of Isaiah. There's three things that are always found within every chapter of Isaiah. There's the historical account that's being given. It is a historical book. These things uh, actually happened. These were real people. And then there's the prophetical foretelling. In other words, the things that Isaiah as a prophet uh, concerning what he was saying about what was to come, the, pro- the prophecy that's laid out in the book of Isaiah. So you have the historical account, you have the prophetical foretelling, and then you also have just the doctrine that is written for your and mine admonition, the Bible says. These are the things that we can take and apply to our lives in real time. The book of Isaiah was written so that you and I might have a concept of dealing with the Lord personally and his doctrine. So all throughout the book of Isaiah, you're dealing with these three things, and especially in this context that we're reading right here, you're going to see all three of these things sort of mingling. But I want to talk to you from this context about the idea of being used. And I want to talk to you specifically about the idea of being used concerning our military veterans who, in some instances, did not come home. And I have more than I would like to know who fit that description. And so in verse 8, the Bible says uh, that Jeremiah, or excuse me, Isaiah, when he heard, uh, as I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And that's kind of the romanticized idea of, that's me, I'm the one, send me, I'll do it. Well, that's great. But the Lord has a response to Isaiah when he said that. In verse 9, he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and speak ye indeed, but perceive not. And so when you say, and this is with respect to specifically the book of Isaiah, he said, I'll go, send me. The Lord said, go, and here's what you're going to tell them. And so Jeremiah, excuse me, I keep saying Jeremiah, Isaiah was told, all right, I will, I'll let you go. I'll pick you. And what are you going to do? You're going to say things for me. You're going to speak. There's three points I want to look at. The first one is being used requires willing obedience, and we certainly see that in Isaiah. He had a very willing obedience, a willing mind to obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord said, go. Go is a word that simply means to to bear forward, to carry forward. So not just go, but go with the intent of carrying a burden upon yourself. You're sent with authority. The idea is very much like that of a commission. I'm going, but I'm not going under my own authority. I'm going under the authority of one who's greater than me, bearing the burden for him. He's, his agenda is the one I'm moving forward with. So it says go, and then it says tell. Tell is a word that simply means to, to certify or to charge, to, to publish it aloud, to, to declare it. And so Isaiah's job was to carry forward the burden of the word of the Lord with the authority of the Lord and to publish it, to to declare it. That was his job. You see this throughout the Bible. If you jump over to Genesis chapter 45, in the first eight verses of Genesis chapter 45, we read this. 
Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, because every man to go out from him. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years have the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be airing or harvest, nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now I was not, excuse me, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. Now to just get you caught up a little bit, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He found favor in the sight of God and thus in the sight of Pharaoh, and was promoted in the land until he was right under the Pharaoh, and then the land fell into a, a drought, a famine, but because of God's revelations to Joseph, the land of Egypt was prepared for that famine, and his brothers, who thought he'd long been dead, came to Egypt only to find that not only was he not dead, but that he was second to the Pharaoh alone, and Joseph looked back on that entire experience that he had and said, listen, it wasn't you that sent me here, though the brothers very much, because they chickened out and couldn't kill him, they soaked his gift, uh, his coat of many colors that was gifted to him, to gifted to Joseph from Joseph's father in uh, the blood of a goat and tore it all up and tried to play it off that he had been attacked. His father bought it. They didn't want to kill him, so they threw him in a pit. And from there, Joseph was purchased and meant to live the life of a slave, but instead the Lord had other things. And Joseph looked back on all those experiences, and he said, Listen, I was sent by God. God did this. And, and he said, I, you, you may very very well may have meant this all for, for evil purposes, but God meant this for good purposes. Sometimes being sent is not always exactly what you think it should look like. Remember that the Lord is never surprised by the situations you find yourself facing. I tell the folks here at Wasatch Front Baptist Church all the time, has it ever dawned on you that nothing has ever dawned on God? Folks, I joined the Marine Corps prior to the events of September 11th, 2001, and my intention was very much to maybe go on a couple of global trips, maybe do a float in the sea, uh, see a couple places, uh, and then get out after four years with some money for college and move on. Well, while I was in boot camp, the towers fell, and my entire idea of Marine Corps service changed almost instantly, and I found myself as a part of an anti-terrorism unit operating out of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I saw combat in four different countries, 
and I was usually deployed. I was deployed more than I was even home. And one of the things I learned through all that was there may have been a, a secular cause that, that was the genesis for this type of life, but in reality, God knew what was coming, and I was exactly where God wanted me to be. And so I want you to understand being used requires willing obedience. It doesn't necessarily require you to know what you're doing, except that you are willing to, by faith, accept the authority over you and that he knows what he's doing. And you certainly see that in the life of Joseph. If you stay in Genesis and jump over to chapter 50, 19 through 21, you'll see another concept of this. The Bible says, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I, for, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Wonderful story. He said, I know that you meant this for evil, but God used it for good, and I'm in the hands of the Lord. And so I want you to understand, sometimes, folks, being sent doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to see exactly the path laid out in front of me. It might just mean being where the Lord wants you to be at exactly the right time the Lord wants you to be there, and then facing things that, quite frankly, you can't do without the Lord's help. You can't do it alone. If you jump over to Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6, I'll start in verse 11 here. We see a pretty good concept of this as well. I'll read 11 through 16. The Bible says, And there came an angel of the Lord and set under an oak, which was in Ophrah, uh, that pertained unto uh, Joash, and uh, or Joash the Abazite, Abazrite, those names always throw me off, folks. I can th read them a thousand times. And then when I'm sitting behind this microphone, it's like they all show up in all these weird syllables. Anyway, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the three hundred men, excuse me, I jumped a page here, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee? Did you catch that? Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And then the story goes on, and you understand the, how the Lord allowed him to choose just 300 men for this battle. I want you to understand, when Gideon was sent, the Lord said, I'm going to send you. And what is the, the very next concept that we can gather from being sent by the Lord? That he will go with you. And so, number one, being used 
requires willing obedience. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know exactly what's going to happen. It just means that you trust the Lord and that the Lord's going to go with you. To be sent by the Lord means to never be without the Lord. I would rather be with him in danger than without him in peace. Folks, I want you to remember that. I would rather be with the Lord in a place of quote-unquote danger than without the Lord in a place of quote-unquote peace. Toward the end of my enlistment in the United States Marine Corps, I was actually in Iraq, and I had been offered uh, a pretty substantial re-enlistment bonus and I remember using the satellite phone, I called my pastor, a guy named Ron Tottingham, and said, listen, I'm pretty good at this being a Marine thing, and they, they think so as well. They're offering me a pretty good bonus to stay in, and I might want to think about making a career of this. Now, mind you, it's probably 2, 3 in the afternoon where I am, so when I called him on the satellite phone, it was some god-awful time in the morning back in the States, and... He never didn't take my call, and so he he thought for a minute, and he said, well, that sounds like a good deal. Uh, I do have a question for you. I said, sure. He said, Nolan, does the Lord want you to serve him in the ministry of his word? Are you supposed to be a preacher? And I said, well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. But, I mean, if I am, I could do 20 years in the Marine Corps, retire with a pension, and then do that when I'm done. And so he kind of said, well, that sounds like a good idea. I just have one concern for you. And I said, sure, what's going on? And he said, I really would not like to be in a country where everyone was trying to kill me if the Lord didn't want me there. But, you know, you do your thing. And then he hung up. (laughs) He hung up on me, and uh, that has stuck with me forever. Not only is it better to be with the Lord in times of conflict, uh, but it's, it's, it's better to be with the Lord in times of peace. Both ways, it works out for your benefit. And so being used requires willing obedience. That's really all that is required, to stick your hand up and say, I'll go. And what are you going to go do? Exactly what you're told. That is the entirety of the heart of serving the Lord. And by the way, that's the entirety of the heart of serving this wonderful country. Somebody asked me one time, I want to share something with you folks. When you go up to these young guys and you you say thank you for their service, by the way, don't tell them that on Memorial Day. Memorial Day is not about people who served. It's about people who served and didn't come home. Okay, just a brief thought for you. But when you go up to these guys, I want you to understand, most of these guys, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, there weren't these vast delusions of grandeur in their mind concerning why they were doing what they were doing. They were doing what they were doing because they loved the guy on their right hand and they loved the guy on their left. They were obeying, and in many instances, they were instantly and willingly obeying orders that they didn't quite understand. And the only way that you can do that is to love the people with you and to trust the people above you. I want you to understand, folks, being used of God means being willingly and instantly obedient 
to the voice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may not always know that where that will take you, but what you do know is that no matter where it takes you, you'll never be alone. Being obedient means always being with Christ, always being with our, with our Lord. The second thing I want you to notice from our text in Isaiah chapter 6 is being used does not always require success, as you and I might find or as you and I might define that. We see that in verse 9 through 10, chapter 6, 9 through 10, the Bible says, And he said, Go and tell this people. And we understood that already. We looked at that. It says, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their eyes heavy, and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Now you say, that's kind of, wow, that's kind of some harsh language there. I want you to understand, remember what I told you. When you read through Isaiah, there's the historical account, the prophetic foretelling, and then the doctrine that we can take from those things. Isaiah very much volunteered to be in instant and willing obedience to the Lord to go and tell a nation things that God knew that nation wouldn't listen to. And I'm telling you, as a pastor in America in 2023, I can relate to that. We have a country founded on Christian principles that is rapidly rejecting the very God who blessed its founding. And the result of that is sure and certain destruction. There's no way around it. But that's a different topic, I suppose, for a different time. I want you to understand, when you put up your hand to be used, it may not always mean coming out the other end with the victory. Being used means you're giving your purpose, your life, your energy to a cause that's far superior than the life that you cherish. If you look at Matthew chapter 13, there's 13 verses in Matthew chapter 13. If I start in chapter 10, or excuse me, chapter 13, verse 10, and read down through verse 23, there's a wonderful picture here that we can see. If I can turn my pages, I get them all stuck together with coffee. Matthew 13, 10, the Bible says, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seen, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, that's Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. But this people's heart is waxed gross, And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. 
but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. And when one heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So you see this wonderful thought here. We can see the prophecy of Isaiah fulfilled in Matthew 13 by the use of parables, allowing for understanding. The Lord told Isaiah, you're going to go to a people whose heart is not going to accept this. But the Lord loved them so much that even foreknowing that they were given over to certain things that were going to prevent them from understanding, the Lord still said, I'm going to send you, and you're going to tell them. You're going to tell them. You say, this seems a little bit depressing. Well, I want you to understand, folks, number one, being used, it just requires willing and instant obedience to our God. And number two, being used does not always require success. How many times... Do those, let me rephrase that. I've never met anyone in my life who was very, very successful who did not understand the value of failure. No one ever became anything worth having or or worth contributing something to this world without trying the thing that they were passionate about and failing over and over and over and over again until they succeeded. I want you to understand that when you take that concept and you apply it to the service of other people, folks, sometimes people just don't want God. Just like if I were to make a correlation right now in our nation, sometimes, and when I say sometimes, I'm talking about today, there's a great majority, not a majority, but a great many people in America today that simply do not want this country as it was founded. They don't want God, they reject morality, and they're pushing an absolutely deviant agenda upon a nation that our president, John Adams, said is governed by a system of government that is, quote, wholly inadequate for anything other than a just and moral people. When we're getting rid of our morals and we're getting rid of our righteousness, which is found in our Savior, Jesus Christ, we're getting rid of objective truth, the system that governs this nation will fall because it's a system that sits squarely on the foundation of Judeo-Christian morality. And some people just don't want it. And yet, our job is to say, here am I, Lord, send me. 
And you're going to say the same things that the prophets and preachers of the gospel have been saying for thousands and thousands of years. And don't be surprised when they will treat you like they treated Isaiah. They just ignore it. Folks, sometimes being used doesn't guarantee that what you're being used to do will be, quote, successful. Sometimes it just means being in obedience to the Lord, that the Lord can say, listen, I gave you a man to tell you the truth, and you rejected it. You see this all throughout the Bible. Mark, excuse me, Mark chapter 4, 10 through 20, you'll see this same concept here. Mark chapter 4, 10 through 20, it says, And when he uh, was alone, they that were about him with the, with the twelve asked him the parable, asked him of the parable, and he said unto you, it is given. And we see the same story that we read over in Matthew. You see it also in Luke chapter 8, 19 through 15, and John chapter 12, 37 through 43. The Bible talks about the fact that they will shut their ears, which shut is a word that just simply means uh, they're too amused with other things. They're too confused and given over to the pleasures and luxuries of life, and that's what's giving them their pleasure. That's what's taking their time. And so when someone comes and says, listen, life is not about being continually entertained. Life is not about being continually served. We live in a country that loves the privileges of the United States of America, and yet the younger generations and even some of the older ones are rapidly rejecting all the responsibilities that come with those privileges, expecting this thing to last forever. And it won't. It won't. Because there's men who used to say, here am I, send me. And they would give their life for a cause that was greater than the life they hold dear, they held dear. This is how our country was founded. The men who signed the Declaration of Independence said, to this we pledge our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor. They put it all on the line to give us a nation that we could serve God with freedom of consciousness. Excuse me, freedom of conscience. Our conscience being willing to serve the Lord in whatever way we want to or don't want to. That's been manipulated now and turned into something it was never meant to be. In Acts chapter 28... Acts chapter 28. I'll start in verse 22. There's something I'd like to show you from here. Acts chapter 28 and verse 22. I'll read down through verse 29. The Bible says here, But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him, into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that. Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, that's Isaiah, the prophet, unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, 
and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their ears, excuse me, Yes, see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Verse 28 says, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. This is the time frame in which the local New Testament Baptist church, the the church that Jesus Christ started on earth, the local church, is being pushed into the land of the Gentiles. And the Bible says when the Jews realized this, they departed and they began to reason among themselves. They were saying, "Why? why is this happening? Because they rejected. They didn't hear. They didn't hear. So I want you to understand being used means required obedience to God. But obedience to God means going places you may not understand what you're doing, but you understand by faith who's with you. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, being used does not always require success. Folks, I've preached, I don't know, thousands of messages thousands. I used to preach in the jail in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I've preached here in many different places. And more often than not, folks, you can pour your heart into proclaiming the truth of the gospel to people, and most of them will get up and walk away. So what does that mean? Does that mean you stop doing it? Veterans of our great military serving our wonderful nation have given the last full measure of everything that they were. In many times and in many instances, they were in the prime of life and they gave it all away for a country that tears down historical statues and burns the American flag and in other words, total disrespectful action towards the sacrifices that they gave. Do you think the men would have not given their lives had they known that that was going to happen? No, you give your life, you give your last, last full measure for the hope of what people can be, sometimes more than the reality of what they are now. Being successful, folks, if you if you. If you're never going to do anything unless it's guaranteed that it works, then I'm sad to tell you that you are a person that's never going to do anything. Because being used means failing over and over and over again. But the only time you actually fail, I tell my two sons and my daughter this, the only form of failure that is unacceptable is staying down. Just keep getting up. I failed. Big deal. Everybody fails. Get up and go again. Get up and go again. I teach my sons uh, different forms of martial arts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I used to be a fighter, and so some of that stuff comes pretty naturally to me, or I still like to mess around with it. And uh, the greatest lessons, I tell them, the greatest lessons that you'll ever learn with respect to this type of stuff is when you get hurt and you don't think you can keep going and you find somewhere inside yourself the reality that not only can I keep going, but I physically and mentally and psychologically and spiritually 
I just cannot stop. I must not stop. I will not stop. I will never give up. I'll get knocked down, but I'll get up. And I'll get up again and again and again until I succeed. That's what it takes to be used of God. That's what it takes to be used of a nation. That's what it takes to love people, to make yourself vulnerable to the types of pain that will change lives and then just keep going. Just keep going. I've had people say and do things or, or, or the opposite of that, just treat me like I'm nothing. And then their life falls apart and their life changes. And they come back and after they've treated me with disrespect and otherwise dismiss me as a relevant aspect of their life, come back and say, can you please help me? We need your help. <laughs> and humanly, you're like, wait a minute, you, you got rid of me. You didn't have any use for me. But the Lord says, yeah, but you did that to me. You got rid of me, and I loved you. You didn't have any use for me, but I died for you, and I gave my everything for you, and I asked you to do the same thing for them. And what a humbling aspect, what a humbling thought that we rejected Christ, but he loved us, and he gave his life for us. In fact, the Bible says he gave his life for the whole world, and yet folks die not knowing the Lord every day. So I want you to understand being used, number one, requires instant and willing obedience. And number two, being used does not always require success as you and I might define it. One more verse on this, Romans chapter 11 and verse 8. Romans chapter 11 and verse 8. The Bible says here, According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. You understand Romans chapter 11 verse 8 is quoting Isaiah chapter 6. That's where we are in our context. That doesn't mean you stop telling the truth. A nation that doesn't respect its military, a nation that rejects all responsibility and claims, and if they don't get it, steals all privilege. That doesn't mean you stop loving them. It just means you double down and you love them more. And they knock you down, you get up and you love them more. And it may not be instantly successful, but in and amongst all of the failure, there'll be someone who notices that you love them. Paul said, I die daily. He also said, I will become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. Some will walk away, but some will listen. Some will reject this country and act like the parasitic cowards they are. But some will love her and protect her and honor her and push her into the next generation. The third thing I want to show you from our text, point number three, is being used requires unrelenting faithfulness. Unrelenting faithfulness. You can never, ever give up. Ever. Isaiah chapter 6, 11 through 12 Isaiah chapter 6, 11 through 12, this is our context. The Bible says, Then said I, Lord, how long? And so Isaiah, after he said, Here am I, send me, the Lord said, Oh, I'll send you, and here's what you're going to say, and they're not going to listen to a word you tell them. In fact, they're going to try to kill you. And Isaiah said, Lord, how long? In other words, he said, 
how long do you want me to do this? This is unbearable, Father. I can't take it. How long do I have to do this? And he said, or he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. Verse 12 says, And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. And so you say, well, how long do I have to do this? <laughs> Until the very end. The end of what? Whichever comes first, you or the task. The pastor that trained me, a fellow named Eric McCandless, told me, you must be equal to the task until the task is finished. And folks, I've told people here, Wasatch Front Baptist Church is not going to die with me if I have anything to say about it. My goal is to lay a foundation that allows future generations to take this church into the service of the Lord far past my meager lifetime. What does that require? To be used in that way, it requires unrelenting faithfulness. One of the greatest gifts the Lord has ever given me is a woman named Rachel. She's my wife. And my wife is by far the most faithful person I have ever known in my entire life. I love her so completely and so fiercely, but yet I think it probably pales in comparison to how she loves me. And that's just the reality of it. Folks, I want you to understand, to be used of the Lord requires an unrelenting faithfulness that just simply refuses to die. I have found that. The Lord has given me that for this city. There have been challenges. I will tell you that for sure. But I just can't quit. I had that same feeling for the United States of America. And there are times when I think living well is so much more difficult than, quote, dying well. But yet all the things and the people that the Lord has given me to love are worth it all. What does it require to be used? Unrelenting faithfulness until it's all done. Until the last person is gone. That's what, it, that's what it requires. There's no timeline here, folks. I tell folks here at Wasatch Front Baptist Church, success is not achieved. Success is lived in the now. It's not chosen to be lived tomorrow. Tomorrow will get here soon enough, and we'll live in the now when tomorrow comes, which, which I don't have to worry about. But right now, in the present, I can be successful if I choose to be. Well, what does success look like? Not quitting. That's what success looks like. Being instantly and willingly obedient to our Savior. Being under the, the, the very clear understanding that being used does not always require success, as you and I may define it. And number three, it requires unrelenting faithfulness. You can never give up. Ever. Ever. If you go to Micah chapter 3, Micah chapter 3, and verse 9 through 12, the Bible says this, Hear thee, I pray you, 
ye heads of the house of Jacob, and princes of the house of Israel that abhor judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Look what verse 12 says. Therefore shall Zion, for your sake, be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountains, and the mountain of the house, as the high places of the forest. You see, what does that have to do, folks? There's coming a day when the Lord will come back, and the end will be here. There's coming a day when our love of luxury and excess and entertainment and comfort will be our undoing as a nation. Somebody said something to me this week that stuck with me so thoroughly. I've been dwelling on it almost exclusively. This is what he said to me. He said, the person who has a mindset of entitlement will for certain have the mindset of a victimized reality. Because entitlement leads to victimized reality every single time. I can't be entitled, or I can't have the mindset of entitlement, and then not get what I think I'm owed, and then understand that I'm not a victim. And so what has led to this victimized world that we live in? The idea that we're all owed something. Folks, you're owed nothing. You are owed nothing. You work for everything you have, and you can't blame every single other person on the planet for not you for, for you not having the things that you want. I'm so tired of this generation that thinks they're owed something because they were born here. That's nonsense. If you're not willing to work for the things that you have, then I just I'm 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 just so close to not having much desire to want anything to do with you. The people that I served with, great men and great women, didn't expect anything in return for their service. They loved each other. They loved me and I loved them, and some of them didn't come back. They gave everything, but they didn't quit, and that's what we're missing today. 2 Kings chapter 25, 2 Kings chapter 25 18 through 21 gives us a, a good uh, couple of verses here to look at. The Bible says here, And the captain of the guard took Sarai, the chief, uh, Sarai, the chief priest, and Zephaniah, the second priest, and, and the three keepers of the door. And out of the city he took the officer that was set over the men of war, and five men of them that were in the king's presence, which were found in the city, and the principal scribe of the host, which mustered the people of the land, and threescore men of the people of the land that were found in the city. I'm reading the wrong one here. Um, no, I'm good. Verse 20, and Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took these and brought them to the king of Babylon to, to Rebella, 
And the king of Babylon smote them and slew them at Rebelah in the land of Hamath. So Judah was carried away out of their land. Now, that's a lot of history that lends you to the reality of how it all ended. Judah was carried away captive. What happened? Isaiah came. He did exactly what the Lord told him to do. He wasn't successful in the exact way the Lord told him that he wouldn't be, but he stayed, and he did the job. And the result of the words that he spoke directly to the people as the Lord gave him to speak were that the people ignored him, resulting in their eventual sure and certain captivity. You see the kind of closing thought of this whole thing in chapter 13 of Isaiah chapter 6, where it says, the holy seed shall be the substance. At times, the stands you take and the fights you endure are not for your time, but for the time to follow. I want you to understand that. What does it take to be used? It requires instant obedience. It does not always require instant success. And it does require unrelenting faithfulness. And sometimes the fights that you fight in your life, you may never see the benefit of them. They may be for those who come much, much further down the road than you. I used to be an electrician, and I was working on this church building one time in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I'm from. I now live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and it was a church building on the historic registry. And there was the original wall, which was now just about midpoint of the church, and they had added an additional structure onto the back of this building. And I had been hired to uh, punch a hole through this original, uh, what was the original back of the church, the outside wall, and pull in a bunch of electrical conduit so that we could uh, hook up the internet and different things like that. And so when the estimator went out there and looked at this, he said, well, this is going to be ridiculous. This wall was like 16 inches thick, 16 inches of solid granite. He said, it'll it'll take us two days just to punch through it. And so we went and got all our tools and we got all the things that we would need. And there was a drop ceiling in this particular room. And I was going to get up in that drop ceiling and punch a hole through this wall or begin the process of punching a hole through this wall. And I got up there. And to my surprise, there was a five-inch tube that went straight through the wall, and I looked at it, realizing that two days of my job had just been done for me, and as I got a little closer, there was a note inside that tube. I thought, what in the world is this? And so I took a little piece of copper, made myself a little hook, and ran that piece of copper down that tube and grabbed that note and pulled it out, and it was a note from the original electrician who built the building in 1904. Folks, 1904. And on that note, it just said, hello, and it gave his name. And I actually looked this man up. He became an electrical inspector for the state of South Dakota, raised a family. I went and saw his his tomb, or his, his gravestone. It said, hello, my name is, and it gave his name. He said, I'm not sure what kind of advancements the future will hold, but I'm quite positive that it might need to require you to get through this wall. And so I have preemptively provided access to, I'm sure, a building that's not been built yet for equipment that I don't yet understand. And then it gave his journeyman number, and he signed it. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. Here's a guy 
that gave everything for something, for a benefit that, that literally he would never see in his lifetime. I wondered how much, how long, how much longer did it take him in that day to punch a hole through that wall? And he did it because he knew the world would advance and there would become, there would come people after him that would need to do things and, and, and change the structure of that building. And he said, you know, I don't even know what it is. I don't know what it'll look like, but I know that it'll be needed. And so he put a little bit of extra time into his job and it benefited me, a guy who came over a hundred years after him, took two whole days off my job, saved the church thousands of dollars in labor. I, I, folks, I couldn't stop thinking about that forever. I went and I gave my boss that note and he still has it today. I'm holding in my hand, folks, a piece of shrapnel. It's the piece of shrapnel that went through the body of a man named Thomas Menninger and lodged itself inside the flak jacket of my back. Thomas Menninger today is buried at Arlington National Cemetery. He was 21 years old. He gave it all, not because he loved the idea of whatever, delusions of grandeur, just because he knew this is my job and I'm not going to give up. He was a big guy. I'm alive today because of him. Folks, where are the men and women who are willing to be used, who, who put their hands up and say, listen, I'll go. I'll do it. Instant willing obedience. Understanding that they may not be successful. Understanding that they may have to lay down their life for a cause that means more to the people they love than their own life means to them. Where are the unrelenting people, the unrelentingly faithful people who just do not give up? That's what this country was founded on. That's what it takes to be a Christian. That's what it takes to be an American that loves this country. Today, on Memorial Day, it's, it's not today, but by the time this is released, it'll be, it'll be a Memorial Day weekend. I want you to understand, there are fathers and mothers without sons and daughters because their sons and daughters love this country. There are husbands and wives without wives and husbands because their spouses loved this country. There are sons and daughters without fathers and mothers because their fathers and mothers love this country. They gave the last full measure for a cause greater than them. What will you do with it? Just suck it into the ever-increasing hole that is America's lust for luxury? Or perhaps maybe you'll just take a second to dig in a little deeper, put your hand up and say, here am I, send me, and give your life for a greater cause. You say, well, I don't, I can't, I'm not in the military, what do I do? Folks, every single one of us have people in our lives that we love. You understand if you decided to love them with your whole being, you would literally give yourself to them until there was nothing left to give. That's what it takes to be used. Unrelenting faithfulness, a prayer to the Lord that those who come after you can go further than you, can reach higher than you. They, can, they could be more successful than you could because of the foundation that you laid for them. That's what it takes to be used.
That's what we're missing so often, is people who understand the value of the cause. David said, is there not a cause when he fought the giant Goliath? Is there not a cause? I want you to find someone, and I want you to tell them how much you love them and how much you mean to them, or how, how much they mean to you, excuse me, and I want you to have a good time with your family and friends and your, your community on this Labor Day weekend. Folks, I love you. Thank you for listening. This has been the On Being Christian Podcast. If you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me directly through the website here at wasatchfrontbaptistchurch.com. That's W-A-S-A-T-C-H, Front baptistchurch.com go to the drop down menu and hit the contact us link and it'll take you right to a website that or right to an email address that comes directly to me i i try to answer as many of those as i can um, the contact information for the office phone number here in my office at the church is also on that and if you're in the salt lake city area and you'd like to come see us on that contact us there's a map that get, that will take you directly to our front door and I'd love to see you. Folks, I, have, I hope you have a wonderful uh, Memorial Day weekend. I hope you understand that my heart is that I am used and that those that I love understand that my desire would be for us as a community, as a church, as a family, to be used for the cause of Christ. And so what does it take to be used? Instant willing obedience, number one. Number two, the understanding that it does not always require success as you and I would define it. And number three, being used requires unrelenting faithfulness. I was a Marine Corps, and the motto of the United States Marine Corps, I, excuse me, I was a Marine, and the motto of the United States Marine Corps is Semper Fidelis, always faithful. That's what it takes to be used. Father, thank you so much for the time you've given us and for this content. I pray that as we uh, have other things on our agenda today, you'd bless us. Help us to be a blessing to you, and we leave these things in your hands and ask that our life would show the value and love of yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, thank you so much for listening. I look forward to being with you next time. Until then, God bless, and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye now.